1: Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. And we are here again to break down some of what is coming up in college football, what is coming up in the draft. So we are now coming to you after a Giants win. Uh, The Giants now two wins on the season. And that actually significantly alters their draft order right now. They were in line for the first pick. It does not look like they're going to get there because of the amount of bad teams in front of them. Per ESPN's Football Power Index, the Giants right now project for the fifth overall pick with a 3% chance at the top pick and a 39% chance of a top five pick. Meanwhile, Football Outsiders has them with a 3.8% chance at the top pick and a 42.7% chance at a top five pick. So that's our weekly update of where the Giants draft status is right now, and we'll be going into what the Giants might be looking at. Last week, we took a look at some of the top offensive linemen, and this week, we are going to be looking at some of the top edge players. So you ready to <coughs> break into some of the pass rushers here, Chris?
2: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm always ready to talk craft. People know that. So. I think with this place, we should probably start is defining what an edge is, because it's not exactly a new position, but it is somewhat, somewhat of a new term. Used to be ten years ago, these players were generally called tweeners, the guys who are not quite big enough to be a full time defensive end. You know, a classic Justin Tuck four three defensive end but also just a little bit too big to be a full-time outside linebacker in the modern NFL. Well, now, with the, at least the way I look at it, with defenses getting more multiple, the distinctions have really gone away out there, and they're kind of the same player. These guys who are athletic enough to play on standing up, but they can also put their hand in the dirt and go forward.
1: There really is no tweener anymore, at least for I think smart NFL teams. Smart NFL teams do not believe tweener is either a thing that exists or or a bad term. You can find guys who can do this. Yeah. So for me, edge is just someone who his, their primary job is rushing the passer, whether that's you know four three defensive end. Uh, or a 3-4 outside linebacker with how much defenses shift now the difference between those positions is basically non-existent it's whether you're standing up at the snap or if you have a hand in the dirt the responsibilities of that position are almost exactly the same so it, so it's, it's not even worth breaking guys into 4-3 defensive end or 3-4 outside linebacker anymore. They're doing the same thing, and that's just, it's an edge rusher in today's game. You see that now with the Giants right now. We, there was so much commotion about how James is, is runs a 3-4 base, but the Giants barely run a base. They have guys who are the edge rushers and the guys who are the interior defenders, and those are your B.J. Hill's, and dalvin tomlinson's the other guys like rento carter uh, olivier vernon those are the edge guys those are the guys who are going to be rushing the passer it doesn't really matter where or how they're doing it they're just the guys who are rushing the passers and then that's what edge is so those are the guys we're going to be looking at today
2: yeah exactly and one way to know how the terminology and things have changed 10 years ago the Giants giants drafted clint symptom he was basically the best pass rusher in college football and their defensive coordinators didn't have any idea what to do with him because he wasn't six six and 270. Now he would be an edge, he'd be an outside linebacker on some plays, he'd be a defensive end on some plays, he would be playing the same position going forward and into the backfield. That's it.
1: I think that's the thing. Even I, someone who who has considered edge a position for a while, I I kind of got roped into this. If you looked at like someone like Joey Bosa, who was a defensive end at Ohio State, I thought the fit might be kind of weird where he went to when he went to the Chargers, uh, and they liked to stand up guys more. And that just turned out to not be an issue. Uh, If you're good at rushing the passer, you're going to be good at rushing the passer from wherever you are rushing the passer from. So scheme fit is not always that big of a deal when we're talking about these types of guys. And so when we're talking about Joey, I think if we want to get into the top edge guys in this year's draft, there's only one way to start, and that's his brother Nick Bosa.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's not playing football right now. He withdrew from Ohio State after suffering a a core muscle injury that would probably have nixed his season. So he withdrew from school, and he's just concentrating on getting ready for the draft. But he basically is his brother, Joey, who is one hell of an edge rusher. 6'3", 270, he can play from a two-point stance, he can play from a three-point stance, We've already been over that. We've already exhausted that in the last five minutes. Really good hands, really good technique, really explosive in a short area. Personally, I think he might be a little bit more flexible than Joey, but they're really going to win with technique and short area quickness. And again, he's like Bosa, he's a very advanced rusher from his mental side of things. He's always got a plan he always has an idea of how he's going to beat the guy in front of him and what the play the offensive play is going to look like so yeah definitely edge one and i don't care if he's not playing half the season he's going to be a top five pick
1: Yeah, there was a lot that went on when he decided he was going to pull out of school and focus on the NFL draft. That, to me, is something that makes sense for someone who is going to declare early for the NFL draft anyway. Make sure he's healthy. Make sure he's not re-injuring himself if he's trying to rush back and help Ohio State. I'm totally fine with him pulling out. But even in the games he just played this season, he was only in three games, and he had six tackles for loss four sacks six run stuffs and a forced fumble he was just an absolute monster and that's definitely something that's going to translate to the next level
2: oh absolutely and that happens to be a skill set the giants could use you know what with their 10 sacks through nine games
1: Yeah, edge is definitely a place where the Giants are are going to be looking. They have Lorenzo Carter, who probably is going to see some more time. They have Olivier Vernon, but we don't exactly know what his future is going to look like. The Giants are able to get out of that contract if they wanted to, but he's still on the roster now, so we'll see going forward. And also, you can never have too many edge rushers. Even if you have some good guys, you can still take one, earlier in the in the second or third round you can never have too many edge rushers and you can shuffle those guys in you can have a good rotation so everyone's always healthy and everyone is always rested and that makes it more dangerous look at what the philadelphia eagles did a more so last season some injuries have struck this season on that defensive line they won the super bowl by having like going six deep at the edge and that was just an incredible way to always make sure someone was at 100% going at the passer.
2: Yeah, that's something the Giants have done when they won their Super Bowls. They, You just send waves of pass rushers because those guys do get tired. They shouldn't be playing 80-90% of the snaps. At least not if you want them to be fresh and effective at the end of the game. No,
1: that's definitely the case. So I think Nick is... Probably anywhere you look, going to be the edge one on pretty much any list heading into the draft. But I think after him, it's kind of preference, I I think. And, and you're going to see some different people prefer different types of guys depending on what a team is looking for, what a team does prefer at that position and some of the builds and some of the athletic traits or the technique. Uh, so the next couple of guys we are going to briefly discuss, they can be anywhere from someone's edge two to maybe someone's edge eight. Um, they could be the same player and someone could just have a different view of them.
2: Yeah, maybe the biggest one could talk about there is josh allen and i i mean the good josh allen not the quarterback josh allen the linebacker for kentucky you know he's a guy he's six four about 230 you know, he was only a two-star recruit but he's turned into one of the best linebackers in the country he's a guy a lot of teams will look at and say yeah he's going to be an a highly ranked edge for us you know, other teams ones that play more of like a uh, 4-3 over defense who use their linebackers more in space or as occasional blitzers, they might look at him and say, you're going to be a highly rated outside linebacker for us and not a defensive end.
1: Yeah, that's true. And if you think of maybe maybe he's somewhere around, if you think of maybe the role... If we stick with James Betcher of what the Cardinals did with Hassan Reddick a couple years ago when they drafted him in the first round, he was someone who could play all over. He was a defensive end his last year at Temple, and they kind of moved him to, to a more the linebacker type thing, but he still rushed the passer on about at least 50% of his snaps. So we could use that there. But yeah, I think Allen is going to be interesting. Uh, He's someone I, right now, really like off the edge. And depending on where he comes in weight-wise, there's some places that list him at 230. There's some that have listed him as high as 260. So I think he has tried to put on weight. If he is someone who can keep the current athleticism he has right now and can be up at around 260, that is a dangerous guy. So I think when we talk about these guys on the edge, this is going to be a position where I think athleticism really matters. So actually a lot of my views of, of how good some of these guys are going to be Aren't going to be fully formed until we get to the combine and we see the testing numbers on these guys, uh, because I think how you can tell the upside of these guys is really how they test, and I think edge is going to be is one of the most important positions to see that athletic testing and see where these guys can be, and Allen is someone who can potentially test really well he's someone who could probably have a really high speed score of this group and speed score is basically a weight adjusted 40 and that's kind of been shown to when you look at events that correlate for for edge rushers a weight and 40 are are two of the biggest ones so having a weight adjusted 40 is kind of important so that's something i'm definitely going to want to see from alan once the combine comes around but if he's someone who can be in that maybe 250 260 range still holds his athleticism and he's been incredibly dominant this season already 15 and a half tackles for loss he has 11 sacks 18 run stuffs he has five force fumbles and he has four pass breakups and that's actually uh, an important thing too I know when football outsiders does their sack sear which is basically their edge rush projection one of the things they do look at is is whether these guys can defend and deflect passes uh, and Allen's got four of those. So having not exactly ball skills, but just the ability to get into some passing lanes, if you're not getting to the quarterback is a skill. And Josh Allen has that. He's someone I'm, I'm actually, I really like, he would probably be my edge to right now behind Bosa.
2: Yeah. If he can have that, if he can hold that size, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a two sixty. I'd, 245 or 250 would probably be plenty for him he would be very strong consideration as an edge two, especially for the giants who could use him basically as a rich man's version of lorenzo carter where spends most of his time going downhill and after the quarterback but he does have the wheels to drop into coverage on occasion and help play some games along the offensive line and create confusion really the more tools you have the better
1: yeah, absolutely, and I can just say it feels so weird to be really excited to be talking about a Josh Allen going into the draft because that was not the case for me last year.
2: No, no. So we let's to edge two slash three. After that, I think it it really starts to get murky and individual.
1: Yeah. So okay, let's let's move on to the next guy, and the next guy we have on our list is Clellan Farrell from Clemson, part of that crazy Clemson a defensive line right now
2: oh yeah yeah barrel's the guy who probably he looks like your just your classic edge you know tall long he's got the size to be a defensive end but he's got the athleticism and flexibility to play in a two-point stance and kind of do a little bit of everything he's got good hands he can use that length well you know he he keeps himself clean and you don't see offensive tackles really lock into him all that often which is athleticism is a huge part of playing edge that's why you see the best guys are except for Daniel Hunter the best guys are always drafted highly because that's there's an athletic premium on the position but hand usage is also one of those things that maybe takes some of some guys a little longer to learn but is also really important you know, just ask Michael Strahan or Justin Tuck Farrell's got a pretty wide variety of moves already and He's also a pretty good run defender already, which again, that Clemson defensive line is just ridiculous. They've got two defensive tackles who could both wind up going, if not in the first round before the second round is halfway done, they'll have three guys drafted. The one red flag on him is he had an ACL tear back in high school, but he's started three seasons in college since then. So that's not a very bright red flag, I'd say.
1: Right, to stand out on a defensive line like that is pretty impressive. I think if we look at someone like B.J. Hill, who was kind of overshadowed by some of the other guys on that NC State defensive line last year, and so B.J. Hill kind of fell, uh, but still an incredible football player. So for Farrell to stand out on a defensive line, that is so good. Uh, This year he has 13.5 tackles for loss, Eight and a half sacks, 15 and a half run stuffs, two pass breakups, and two forced fumbles. Um, So those are excellent numbers too. And yeah, he, he is probably your more prototypical defensive end, but he's a guy who has just been able to to get it done. Been one of the most productive defensive linemen in college football this year.
2: Yeah, and now, granted, having defensive tackles like Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence helps. Yeah, in makes it really tough for offenses to key on him and slide protection or you know dedicate a double team to him but he is still really good
1: yeah absolutely and i mean that's you still have to be very good to take advantage of that Uh, i think if we see like somewhere like the rams they have aaron donald and dominican sue completely destroying the interior but still don't have the guys and you would think that type of you know that type of mentality that the edges would open up they don't totally have the players to take advantage of that although I like Samson Mabukam, uh, who's been pretty good this year and they just traded for Dante Fowler uh, so you do still have to be really good to to take advantage of that so that that's where Farrell is and, and he's been able to definitely take advantage of the opportunities he's gotten but we can move on now to another guy in the ACC that is going to be a Brian Burns of Florida State.
2: Yeah, he's another long guy, 6-5. He isn't as thick as Farrell is though. I I've only seen him listed at 230. We'll see what he actually is come the combine. You know, you, you can't put a whole lot of weight in school measurements. They occasionally stretch the truth I suppose we could say but he does move like a a guy who has that long lean build kind of like Leonard Floyd or Lorenzo Carter he's really fluid mover and he already uses a variety of moves to beat blockers which is good to see but he also doesn't have the strength you'd expect from a bigger guy which could hurt him as an edge because those guys do have to be able to set an edge in the run game yeah, the pass rush is definitely more important. Teams generally don't draft run defenders highly, but it's still something they need to be able to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and if you have the pass rush and you can be a plus run defender, that that is the case. And I think that is... Right now for Burns, at least for what he's done this season, uh, he has nine sacks and 14 and a half run stuffs. So he has been able to play the run pretty well. Uh, and that's also with 12 and a half tackles for loss. So he has been able to make plays uh, in the backfield, which is something you definitely want to see. Production is, is definitely a key and something that translates at edge, P- possibly college production they're about as much or more than i think maybe any other position uh you want to see that type of production in college off the edge
2: yeah and again with burns if maybe the kind of guy where if you can't if you can't just stack and shed the blocker just run past him and make the tackle in the backfield that's probably easier anyway you
1: talked about how he has some moves and and can use his hands a little bit and that's that's another thing if you're watching these guys when you have any type of college player who has advanced hand movement that's something you you write down and check because a lot of these guys who are athletic and can potentially be good at the next level sometimes that hand Placement and hand use is the last thing that really develops. So, if you have a guy in college who can do that, that's someone who already has a step on some of these other guys.
2: Yeah. And for some of these guys who are, they have always been just a freak athlete and the most athletic guy in the field. They don't develop their hands because they don't have to. They can just run right past a blocker before they're back in their kick slide or just. Hit them and out-athlete them like Jadavian Clowney used to do at South Carolina. His hands weren't great coming out, but he was just, a, just such an explosive athlete, it didn't matter. Now, he's had to develop them.
1: Not having hand usage is not something that should disqualify anyone either. You look at Marcus Davenport last year. Super athletic, had crazy production, albeit in in a smaller school. Not someone who was completely refined in pass rush moves, uh, but when he was on the field and before he got hurt, he was able to definitely make an impact. Uh, So that's something that doesn't disqualify people, but if they do have that hand usage, that can put them a step above. So someone who I think maybe might need to work on that a little bit is uh, Montez Sweat of Mississippi State.
2: Yeah, he's another one of those longer, leaner guys. Uh, he's listed at 6'4", 240. Looking at him, I suppose that's about right. Interestingly, he's really explosive out of a three-point stance. You know, he covers a lot of ground off the snap with his hand in the dirt. Less so out of a two-point stance, at least from what I've seen. I don't know if that's just a repetition thing. He hasn't done it enough or hasn't gotten great coaching on that i don't know but it is something to note he is a tough guy he's he competes hard at the line of scrimmage and he plays stronger than you'd expect looking at him but as a pass rusher he's got the tools they just need to be refined
1: yeah, so this season, 9.5 sacks, 12 tackles for loss, 16 run stuff. So he's, he's making plays in the backfield too. Uh, only one forced fumble, and forcing fumbles is a skill. Recovering fumbles is not, just to throw that out there. Forcing fumbles a skill, recovering fumbles is completely random. So uh, seeing a guy who can force fumbles is nice. And there are some of those guys, like we said, in Josh Allen, who has been able to force fumbles at a higher rate. Sweat only has one. But yeah, he, he has played well and he has been productive. He is someone where you are going to want to see the athleticism numbers to see if if the testing does show a good athlete because if it doesn't and he's someone who doesn't quite have that technique uh, that's something that might not a complete red flag but might be something that forces you to to hit the brakes a little bit on the upside of what kind of prospect he could be
2: yeah he's a guy I might expect to have a better 10 yard split than 40 yard dash which 10 yard split tends to correlate better to their first step you know because if you can get a really good 10 yard split or a really good uh, broad jump that tends to point towards more lower body explosiveness which translates to really good first step at least assuming you can time the snap at all some guys just can't but then sometimes you could have a good first a good 10 yard split and a bad 40 and those are kind of two different things
1: I do like the 40 as a scale and, and the jumps. I, I think the jumps kind of show yeah. explosiveness. The vertical and the broad are things that you really like. And then, of course, the 3-cone, the which which shows some bend a little bit. And I think those have been shown to be the most highly correlated for edge rushers. And a guy who could possibly be one of those uh, pretty good athletes who will test pretty well there out of Florida is Joshi Polite.
2: yeah. He might be the the speed rusher in this class. Build-wise, he kind of reminds me a little bit of O.C. Uminura, I think. He's only listed at 6'2 and about 260. But man, is he quick off the snap. He is just a great athlete. He can explode off the ball. He's got the agility to just go right around tackles. And he can do it outside rushes or inside moves. But the problem with him, I think... And he hasn't been a terribly consistent player for Florida. He, it seems as though he kind of disappears at times. And that might be a thing that will improve as his technique improves.
1: Yes, I think that's one thing you look at when, especially even when you look at his numbers right now, they're not as high as some of these other guys we've talked about. Only 11.5 tackles for loss among the guys we've brought up so far. That's the fewest outside of Nick Bosa, who's only played three games. Um, And. <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me if Bosa did have more. And so that's that's the lowest in that group, the seven and a half sacks is also the lowest, but he he's making impact plays when he does. So he still has four pass breakups, only Josh Allen has as many of the group we've talked about, and he has four force fumbles and only Josh Allen has more, and he had five. So he is a guy who can make these huge splash plays when he is making the plays, uh, but you just do want to see a little more consistency out of him, and I think that's going to be the thing that really shapes where he's drafted and and how high his upside can be.
2: That kind of has the look of more of a day-two pick, a guy you say, hey, we like some of the things you can do, but we... We need to work with you some before you're ready. And along those same lines is DeAndre Walker from Georgia. I'm still looking at tape on him. He was only a part-time player in 2017, but he's kind of average size, again, listed at 6'2", 240, but he is a tough dude. He's one of these guys, he always plays hard. He always hustles. And he's got enough athleticism and flexibility i think to play on the edge and be a reasonably consistent pass rusher at the next level but he also needs refinement and tech in his technique and just learn how to use his tools i'll be interested to see his measurements come the combine it looks like he might have oddly long arms for a guy who's six foot two and arm length is something we haven't talked about that's another thing that is generally important for edge rushers just because you want to be able to get your hands on an offensive tackle before they can get their hands on you that's why arm length is important for tackles well sort of important it's not as important as other things but that's also why they tend to draft taller tackles just with the idea that whoever gets their hands on the other one first generally wins
1: and some of that can cancel out with athleticism if you're quick enough to get in there. You don't necessarily have to have the longest arms, but yeah, that is something uh, people are going to look at. And Walker is Walker is going to be interesting uh, just kind of because of that Georgia scheme. They like to play guys at more linebacker with, with mixed responsibilities, and they're not always edge rushers and that is that was one of the issues with lorenzo carter lorenzo carter was not really an edge rusher at georgia so he finished his georgia career and this is lorenzo carter with 21 and a half tackles for loss and 14 sacks in four years so we're we're talking about guys like we just talked about josh allen josh allen has 15 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks this year DeAndre Walker is a similar guy. He's only played, you know, he did play in 14 games last year. He's played in nine this year. Uh, But for his career right now, through four years, 24 tackles for loss and only 11 sacks. So if he's a guy you're trying to project as a pass rusher, that's going to be a different role than he played at Georgia. And it's very similar to what we saw with Lorenzo Carter last year.
2: Yeah, that the Georgia scheme, they asked their guys who would be edge players to wear a lot of hats. That was something you had to kind of reckon with with Leonard Floyd when he came out a few years ago because it, same position. Some snaps they're asked to play defensive end, some snaps they're asked to play linebacker in space. Sometimes with like Carter and Floyd, they were almost playing like a slot corner role. And personally, I think doing that, you know, it can hold the player's development back rather than just letting them concentrate on one thing that they're probably going to be best at.
1: But that depends on the scheme they're going to be brought into uh, in the NFL. If it's someone who... Uh, you can just see it. I'm going to bring up two guys who, who we just did, and I'm going to keep it with James Betcher. You have Hassan Reddick, who was a dynamic edge rusher and had the ability to get in the backfield uh they kind of brought him along and made him more of an outside linebacker with mixed responsibilities but then you have someone like orenzo carter who the giants brought in this year in what's technically supposed to be the same scheme uh, but they want him to focus on being more in edge rusher and i think reddick was able to use his athleticism to move back from being an edge rusher and have those other responsibilities quicker and more easily than carter was able to take what he did at georgia and move up as a full time edge rusher we still see there's development he needs to not be blocked out of plays and make an impact on a more consistent basis so when you see a guy like who is playing the type of role that walker is that is also really going to depend on who takes him what kind of coaching he's going to get and what kind of scheme they want to put him in and and i think we can probably say that for a lot of these guys uh, but for guys like walker especially how the team plans to use him uh, is going to be a big part of what kind of impact he can have in the nfl
2: definitely i i could see a team looking at him maybe like a team that plays a 4-3 under and looking at him as a sam linebacker Almost like how the Giants used to use Devin Kennard and, you know, have him up close to the line of scrimmage and generally going downhill, but not technically an edge. Right.
1: Yeah. That, that makes sense. And we'll see. We're, we're still very far away from, yes. from figuring that out completely. But it's something that's worth mentioning as we go uh, through these names. So that is the last guy we're kind of going to go over in depth at edge there there are a lot of guys so there's probably maybe some guys who we haven't brought up on this show that are going to be higher up on some people's lists and, and be it's still only the middle of november so we'll have plenty of time to talk about those guys but you know you have the anthony nelson from iowa uh, chase winovich from michigan zach allen from uh, Boston College uh, a small school guy Jalen Ferguson who who leads who leads college football in sacks right now with 12 and a half he's a guy who who might be interesting might not be you know one of the top guys um but can be interesting so there there are some names we didn't touch on here just because we're trying to go a brief overview of these things uh but are going to be names that, that pop up later especially at edge uh, where teams are going to be trying to get a lot of them. Uh, I don't. I don't think if you're, I don't think there's any team set at edge. You can always add more. Like look at the, we talked about the Eagles. They won the Super Bowl um, with the deepest defensive end rotation, and then went out and drafted Josh Sweat. So there's. Oh, you can always continue to build the edge and i think that's what a lot of teams are going to do so like we did last week we're going to end this show with some uh, game recommendations to watch this week uh, is not a great week in college football i really don't believe Uh not an overall great slate so uh chris do you have a recommendation to watch uh this weekend
2: yeah it it really is lean pickings this week you know normally say you know Watch Alabama. Well, Alabama's playing Citadel, and that's not going to be much of a game, I don't think. All due respect to Citadel, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're offending so, anyone
2: in that. So I'm going to be watching Duke versus Clemson because, number one, that Clemson defensive line, its they're, they're always fun to watch, and I just love Clemson's defensive scheme. And also... We had the report Mel Kuyper bumped Duke quarterback Daniel Jones up into 18th on his big board. Jones did have a really good game against North Carolina, and it will be interesting to see him against one of the best defenses around.
1: Yeah, so what I talked about last week, I do like seeing these quarterback prospects against good defenses. Clemson, number six in pass defense per S B plus, which, again, is the college football Uh, advanced efficiency metric I'm gonna be honest i i just i don't see it with jones right now uh, he is not going to be someone i like from what i've seen and the numbers i've dug into so far and even after that north carolina game his numbers are still not good and well below all these other guys uh, that are potentially going to be in this draft class but i'm still going to be interested to see how he does uh, against clemson but right now i i think i'm going to be out on him but i, I know he he's going to be someone that's probably going to be talked up. So for my recommendation is going to be going on at about the same time. There's really not good games until the nighttime. Uh, I'm sure some people are going to be interested in, in Notre Dame Syracuse, which goes on at 2:30, uh but if that's not a Notre Dame blowout, I will be very surprised. Personally, I'm going to be excited to watch uh, Temple South Florida at noon. Uh, Just because I went to Temple, they're suddenly (laughs) kind of a good team. They've turned into some offensive juggernaut over like the past two games and also have one of the best defenses in college football right now. So uh, that'll be fun, at least for me to watch. But I'm going to stick with my AAC pride here. And UCF Cincinnati at 8 p.m. on ABC. College game day is going to UCF. This is two top 25 teams, UCF undefeated. Mackenzie Milton is super fun. Uh, He's someone, if he enters the draft, is someone I'm going to be so much higher on than everyone else. I think he is very good at quarterback. I think he would be very exciting to watch. And Cincinnati is number 12 in pass defense, S&P+. So that is going to be quite the test. And that is the big ABC primetime game so that will definitely be something uh, you guys uh, should be watching. If you can flip and it, the Duke Clemson game is probably going to be fun for like maybe a quarter. You can see whether Duke is going to hang in there or not. And probably by that time that starts at seven. And probably by the time UCF Cincinnati starts at eight. Uh, you know how that Duke Clemson game is going to finish. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so those are our recommendations. Sorry that they're short, but uh, this week is is not as fun and doesn't even have really as many intriguing draft matchups uh, as there was last week. So we are going to end it there. I thank you guys for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast everywhere you find your podcast. Please rate and review. Please check everything out we do on BigBlueView.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Dan Pizzuta. Chris is at Raptor... Chris is at Raptor MKII. And you can follow our work there. We'll be writing a whole bunch more about the Giants, a whole bunch more about the draft as that goes forward. Follow BigBlueView on Twitter. That's simply at BigBlueView. Follow BigBlueView on Instagram. I've been doing some Q&As in the Instagram stories lately, and that is Big underscore Blue underscore View on Instagram. We will be back on Monday breaking down the Giants game against Tampa Bay. So thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.
0: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
2: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.